Hello, welcome to You Are Good Enough. Today we are talking about a more conscious relationship. I did a previous podcast talking about living from more of a conscious place, understanding that it's important to live with more self-worth, right? Starting to open that dialogue of, I kind of shared some ways that I did that for myself and what worked for me. Well, this is a relationship and I, of course, you know, I work with individuals and I work with couples and I always say to couples, I know that just by doing your own inner work, you can make your relationship thrive without working actively on the relationship for a few reasons, right? It's the pebble in the water scenario, right? You, you throw the pebble in, you get the ripple. So there's a ripple effect. That's one thing. The other thing is you can't give to another person that which you don't first give to yourself. So this is about learning about yourself, getting to know yourself. When we get to know ourselves, we understand what our limitations are. When we get to know what ourselves are all about, we start to understand our feelings. We start to understand what does and what does not feel good for us. We understand how we feel affected by others. We might also start asking the question, how I affect other people as well in my life. So when we start doing this more inner work, it tells us a lot about ourselves. And that's when we can, it's almost like add to the light of your relationship or add to the darkness of your relationship. It's a more conscious place that we come from. You're living consciously, right? You're consciously, you're being mindful about yourself. You're being conscious and mindful about your participation in your relationship. What are you giving? What are you taking away from the relationship? And it's important when it comes to a relationship, big time. And unworthiness, honestly, feeling unworthy is, is always gonna be a detriment to relationships because what it does is it sets the stage for codependency, right? When we need other people to be a certain way so that we can feel comfortable or happy in the moment or in my life overall, I might also be looking for someone to complete me. And much of this is quite unconscious, I will say. However, when we start getting to know ourselves, we start tapping into those places. We start asking those questions. And if we become a really good investigator, we keep getting more and more and more information. We start catching ourselves in the middle of patterns. Maybe it's roles that we play in relationships and we look at you know, how we constantly do things. Uh, we can learn so much about ourselves and yet also so much about the relationship that we are in. So codependency, it, it's a problem because it really sets us up for failure every single time. It is a disempowering way of being and experiencing life. I'm going to share a little story with you. So this isn't a romantic relationship example, but it doesn't matter. Okay. I was very close to both of my grandmothers, actually one grandmother in particular loved so dearly. And she was really like my mother to me in a lot of ways. And she was a very big part of my life. Even though I lived at a distance, I would, you know, go as often as I could and, and help her in a lot of ways. But growing up, I was around her a lot. And one thing that I learned how to do, and this is for all of us, right? The people were around the most as children. We pick up their habits and we pick up their, you know, their, the way that they look at the world, the, the, you know, their view, the model of the world and, and everything else, really the way that they feel about things we can adopt just everything. And one thing that I definitely adopted, and I adopted several things from her was this kind of 
I'm going to call it a messed up way of communicating. But I didn't realize this until I was really, until she was quite old, until I was in my mid years. And it's really funny. My, one of my aunts, we used to talk about how messed up it was because my grandmother would do this thing where she would, she would never be able to say what she wanted. She was never able to do that. So because she wasn't able to do that, because she didn't learn it as, as a child, that it's okay to say what I need in any situation. Okay, that's empowering. But she felt disempowered, like it wasn't safe to say what she needed. So my grandmother, let's just say she would, she probably had an idea, the schedule that she wanted to go on or a restaurant perhaps that she wanted to go to. And she didn't get out a whole lot because she lived alone and she really isolated herself. She had a lot of fears that she lived with as well. And so through her years, of course, we did less and less and she got out less, less and less. So basically she would have an idea of a restaurant she wanted in her head, but she would say, well, where do you wanna go? You know, let's go where you wanna go, right? And so you'd say, okay, um, I, I'd be happy to go with A, B, or C. <laughs> and funny enough, of course, that wouldn't be one of her choices, right? That she had in her head. So what she would say in response to that is, oh, are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you want to go to A, B, and C? Remember this happened or that happened or this happened or that. And then finally, it, becomes, it became such an exhausting exchange. It would be like, like all of a sudden she would somehow you know, interject the one restaurant that she might want to go to. So then you would know that that's the ball to pick up and run with, right? This is, this is arduous communication. This is challenging. This is flipping exhausting. But we have, most of us have learned to communicate in this way because we haven't felt safe to say, I want to go here. I want to do this. This feels good to me. This doesn't feel good to me. This is working for me. This isn't working for me, right? We, we haven't felt safe enough. This is really important in relationships. I'm really passionate and I believe that all of us can have a awesome relationship, a sacred relationship, one where you know what? Things come up, we work through them. We have trust, we have vulnerability, we have depth of love. It's a sacred union and we have a unique relationship with that person that nobody else in our life gets in the circle on, okay? Like our kids. Our kids would be outside of the circle of my sacred union with my partner, um, friends, family members. And oftentimes we see with relationships, one of the people in the relationships might have a stronger bond with a family member, or with a child or with, you know, something else. And, and this really adds to a lot of, uh, a lot of confusion with roles in relationships and kids. You know, if it's a child who has a stronger bond with mom or dad, there's a lot that goes into that. And it makes us misunderstand how to have healthy boundaries and how to have healthy relationships and all of these things. But I truly believe in my heart that we can have the relationship that most of us are probably afraid to have or don't believe we can ever have. I have experienced a relationship like this. It was for just a few years, but I had it during that time. And let me tell you, it was amazing. So I know that we can have it. And next time I'm gonna have it probably for life because I'm learning just like we're all learning every step of the way. But today I want to share that with you. Now I want to talk about examples of disempowering 
relationships. These are things that happen within relationships that make us both feel not good. So keeping score, keeping score in relationships, sometimes it's conscious, sometimes it's unconscious. Sometimes we actively will say to our partner when we're trying, you know, we're raising small kids, we're trying to figure out our Sunday night or Saturday afternoons. This is a basic explanation. It's like, I want my time, you want your time. You know, well, last time you got more time, so this time I went this time, <laughs> right? So that's like a basic way in just coming together in a schedule. And one of us might feel angry if we're not getting enough time. And it is important for both people in a relationship to both feel good so that we can feel good together in our relationship. That is really what matters. Keeping score can show up another way where I'm really annoyed with somebody and they've done this, that, and the other but I don't feel powerless to say what I'm feeling. I carry it around and I'm focusing most of my time in my relationship on what this person has or has not done. And it is, it's a cancerous situation and it will lead to unhappy relationship all day long. These are examples of what I, I like to think of as like a lower vibratory relationship, a lower vibration relationship, a relationship that's of a lower frequency and it pulls us both into adding to a lower frequency because we can feel it. And when we've been in a relationship with somebody for a while and, and we've been doing the dance like this, it's uncomfortable to break the pattern and get out of this place that we're in because it's been our comfort zone. And that's important to realize too, in order to make a change in a relationship, first of all, we've got to be able to catch the pattern, catch what we're doing in the pattern, how we feel, and we both have to start to be more conscious. Even one person, if they become more conscious of the pattern and they start bringing it to light, they can start making changes and that alone will start changing the response of the other person. So, you know, I would rather everyone realize that we're empowered to make a change without another human being. We don't wait on our partners to make changes because waiting on partners to make changes, to change the way they do things or whatever that is, that's holding us up. That's keeping our energy stagnant. We're waiting. We're in a waiting game, which could take years and years and years and years and years. And, and most of the time during our waiting period, we just get more pissed, more pissed, and more pissed. So I'm suggesting that the empowering way to be is if we notice something that needs to shift or change, we need to start finding a loving way to broach the subject and to say it, not for just yourself, but you're doing this for the betterment and the good of your relationship, of your sacred relationship. Okay, so keeping score in relationships. Another one is making our partner pay, making our partner pay, right? And, and, I, and I'll be honest, I did this years and years ago. I can still remember being angry because I never felt valued. I never felt appreciated. I never, I felt like everything else in the world was more important than I was. And this is before I understood how all this stuff works. And I felt powerless. And I was the person who put everybody in the family ahead of myself. So, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you're that person, totally get it. But making your partner pay, again, keeps your energy low and a low vibration puts the focus of what you're focusing on, on negativity. I would like to offer that you start finding a way to say something just in little ways. You don't have to start an argument. I know it can feel really uncomfortable when you're beginning to find your voice and it's uncomfortable. And I know it is, but I promise you this, that if you start using your voice more and more, it will become more comfortable and more comfortable. We're so worried about how we're going to make 
or how we're going to affect the other person, how we're going to make them feel, and how we're going to affect them, that oftentimes we end up protecting. I am way, way, way guilty of protecting everybody in my life. Played that role my whole life with everybody in my life. And it doesn't do you any good if you are somebody who does that. It keeps them stagnant. It keeps you stagnant. It creates a lot of chaos and a lot of unhealthy attachment. And that's a pattern, there you go, that gets established and, and can continue, but it keeps both people, like it's uncomfortable because we know we're not supposed to be doing it, but we might not know how to get out of it. So try and stop making your partner pay because I'll be honest with you, most of the time, they have not a clue. I don't believe they have a clue in most situations. And you know what? Have a conversation and find out if they do have a clue. Oftentimes people hurt us, but they do not mean to hurt us. It happens all the time. Holding grudges. Holding grudges. People hold grudges. People can take their grudge with them to their grave and it keeps them from having a relationship with family members. It keeps them from having an open, healing, wonderful relationship with many people in their lives. So I'm not a big fan of holding grudges. You know, I realized when I realized how much that was damaging me years ago, I came up with a way for me to kind of move through those things and, you know, adopt a perspective of now I realize that people are doing the best that they're able to do. So I can now find true forgiveness, which is, you know, it's more than words. It's a feeling. It's like, I know, like I've got a clean slate on my, my soul right now that I've forgiven everybody in my life for everything. There's not one person I have not forgiven. It's not that I need to tell them that it's just that I do it so that I can be free. And when I'm free, it actually does free them to deal with it on their own in their own time. Um, because we are energetic beings and we affect each other right? With the energy that we emit. And so if there's something going on in me, you know, let's say I'm sad or down, it affects the other person, whether they realize it or not. We're not all so aware of how that can affect us in a room or just having a conversation or just a general feeling. But if you ask yourself, you probably can identify with what I'm talking about. So let go of your grudge or at least seek to try and do so. There are a lot of ways that you can do that. Try and let go also. Here's another one. Staying focused, focused on what our partners should or shouldn't be doing instead of appreciating that which they are doing. This is human nature, right? To focus on the negative, to focus on what they're not doing that they should be doing. Can't tell you how many times I hear about how, and I experienced this myself, we would be having people over needing to get the house in order. And you know, my ex might be deciding this is the day he wants to reorganize the garage. And I'd be like, huh? <laughs> Help me understand this. Okay. And, and I, and I realized that that was what he needed to do to make him feel comfortable. But all I could think about is how we have people coming over and, and I want the house to look okay. <laughs> so that's kind of like an exaggeration, but when we focus constantly on our spouses or our partners or people in our lives, it could be a family member, right? On what they should be doing that they're not doing. Maybe we don't see that they're moving forward on something we had a conversation about. Let it go. Let it go. It's, 
It's not our job to micromanage anybody else. When we focus our energy on another person, we aren't using that energy to our benefit. We're taking our precious energy. We're dumbing down the vibration and we're putting it in a very negative place because we're waiting. Here we are again, waiting, waiting on the, on the person to do what we're what they said they would do, waiting on the person to do what we want them to do. So you can see how that would be, that's in the state of waiting. It's the state of so many things, all, all negative, all disempowering, I might add. Okay, let's look at another one. Trying to be someone you are not for the other person. <sighs> totally guilty as charged. I think what we're all supposed to be learning how to do is to number one, be comfortable enough with ourselves so that we can show our true self to another person and not be worried that they won't think that we're good enough. And this goes back to the reason I'm doing this show. I believe the human condition is not feeling good enough. And why is that? Well, we've been running on a fear-based foundation of like living and being in the world. It's, it's not feeling like we're ever enough. But in the eye of the divine, I would like to point out that we are enough. And not only are we enough, we're more than enough. And whatever's happening in life is perfectly divinely guided and inspired. Now, if that triggers you, I'm sorry, that's my belief. Okay, it may not be your belief, but that is what I believe. I believe there is a much bigger thing going on here than just you and me. You know, you look outside, you can see nature, you can see the timing, the ebb and flow, the, the interconnectedness of all things that are, and we are part of that. So I think that when we can start to honor ourselves, we can start to be okay with, you know, whatever it is. It's most, most of it I find is physical. I know it is for females. I think females are a lot more caught up in that. And, and of course, you know, because of society and the way we've been raised, all cultures have been raised that I think, I would say most cultures, cause I don't know all cultures. I would say most cultures have been raising females to not, to, to feel like they, they're not enough as they are. They need to keep doing and changing themselves in order to be appropriate for the, the male and to be accepted by them. So, you know, that's, that's the female experience in a lot of ways. So that's what I can offer. But men and women alike, we're here to be ourselves. We're here to learn to embrace ourselves. We're here to understand that it's okay to be us. And we're all in a process. There's no one who's at the finish line. Nobody. Nobody's Nobody's what you think perfect is. Nobody's at the finish line. People typically get real insecure because they see something with their eyes, but they don't know the truth of what's really going on. The truth of what's really going on could be worlds away from what something looks like. It, I, we've all experienced that. Finding out something wasn't the way you thought it was. That happens. And that's, this is long-winded, a lot more long-winded than I thought. So I, I guess I kind of apologize, but so those are examples of disempowering ways to be in a relationship, okay? Keeping score, making our partner pay, holding grudges, staying focused on what our partner should or should not be doing, and trying to be someone you are not to please the other person, okay? And that's a whole nother podcast. But here are some examples of empowering ways to be in a relationship. And this is what I would call a relationship for a wiser self. The examples I just cited before is more like a younger self relationship. So let's think of it as like, you know, maybe it's a teenager, a 20 year old relationship. And well, I guess age doesn't matter. 
I'm not even going to use age. So, but these are examples of an empowering relationship, a wiser self relationship. Adopting a perspective that everyone, that everything rather, evens out naturally in all relationships. So then you don't have to keep score, right? If I know the law of the universe is that the scales get balanced, that everything gets taken care of in its own time, in its own way, then I can take the pressure off of myself to be hyper-focused on trying to be in charge of the process when it's out of my hands anyway. That's the truth. It's out of my hands. Because like how many times do we jump through hoops to try to control a situation, make things happen, and it ends up you know, changing anyway. Number two, priority is for both people within the relationship to feel appreciated, loved, and accepted for who they are. That is a magnificent way to start off a relationship by realizing that the person you are with feels the same way. If you enter into a relationship with somebody whose focus for themselves and for you is to feel appreciated, loved, and accepted for who you are. It's amazing and it feels amazing because you're both giving each other permission. You're both taking a step into trusting that you will be accepted for who you are. And this can be an experience of unconditional love when we enter into relationships like this because we've decided that we both want to experience a relationship together, yet we no longer want to do it codependently. We want this to work for both of us together and as individuals, and it can be that special place. Number three, giving our partners the benefit of the doubt, knowing that they are doing their best. It took me a long time to figure this one out because so often we believe a lot in illusions. And, and I'll be honest with you, I'm. Like I say, I'm still a work in progress. You know, you see certain things. Basically what happens is when we can give our partners the benefit of the doubt, we're trusting them, right? We're saying, you know what? I'm gonna trust you that you're trying to be the best that you can be. And, and I have to say that this helps me a lot because I have that perspective that everyone's doing their best in the moment. So for me, this helps a lot. And you know, if I'm in a relationship and we're constantly having open communication, it's safe for me to share my feelings. And I know that the other person is doing that too. That means I have less fear, right? That means I feel safer. That means I feel more trusted. I can trust and be trusted. So when we give our partners the benefit of the doubt and we know that they're doing their best, you kind of let that one go too. And it's relieving. It's like, you know what? I'll question it if something happens that's, that's you know, shocking or, or whatever it is. But again, if you're having ongoing communication, open communication where, you know what? Something's hitting you funny from last night that's like dragging you down this morning and you're like, hey babe, you know, I wanna, can we talk about this real quick? You know, hopefully you have a partner like that and then you can clear it up and move on. It doesn't fester, it doesn't have to hang around, doesn't grow hair. Okay, another one. Perspective of what I can do that benefits my partner and my relationship without having expectations of getting back. So I spoke about this in a recent podcast. Giving without expecting, right? Giving without expectation. Adding to the light of my relationship, adding to the 401k of my relationship because I know that it's, healthy and it's nurturing and it's feeding, right? It's watering my garden of my relationship and adding to my bank account just because, you know, if we get to a place where we feel like we're doing all the watering, well, 
you know what, hopefully we're having that open communication, but sometimes, you know, sometimes life comes in and we're busy and all these things happen. But basically, if we can get back on the same page, as far as, you know, letting somebody know, you know, I know it probably isn't like this, but I'm feeling like I'm giving a lot and I don't I don't know. I'm feeling like, how do you feel like you're giving? You know, it's a good time to start asking some questions. You can both get back on the same page. Oftentimes just having a conversation, I think clears things up. Maybe there's something on the other person's mind. They haven't had the, you know, the presence of mind to bring forward and they didn't realize it was bothering them, but it is. So if one of us feels like something's on our mind, it's our job to step forward and to say something for the greater good of the relationship. Okay, here's another one. Looking for the good in your partner and your relationship. So the focus goes on more more of what is working? What do I have, right? Instead of what's missing. And I have to say, it's a lot easier in a higher, wiser self wiser self relationship to be like that because this is a conscious relationship. We're going towards this relationship very consciously. When we're conscious about things, we realize that what we what benefits us a lot is seeing the good in all things. And when we can be grateful and see the good in all, and the lessons are part of the good as well, I might add, if we can have that higher perspective, we're always succeeding. You know, as long as we're reaching for the higher ground, I would say there's always a silver lining We always have an opportunity for growth. And that's what a relationship is. A relationship is growth, right? A relationship isn't sitting down on the couch and grabbing the clicker and and I'm like, God, I did the relationship thing. Isn't this great? Now I've got like, you know, I'm going to be married to this person for the next 40 years. I'm just going to sit down and put my feet up. Well, it depends on what kind of relationship you want. And I'm talking about this kind of relationship that I think is so amazing. It's, It's more of a conscious relationship. And it's very interactive. Okay, another one is being hopeful for the future, talking about the future. I say to couples all the time that if you're interacting and you're working together and you get to the place where you can be deeply intimate, deeply vulnerable, you have the depth of love, the trust, you want to stay in the relationship that you're in. You don't want to leave that relationship. Well, if you feel that way, now one person could feel that way and the other person might not feel that way. Then that relationship's not working for both in that way, right? Then it's time to get on the same page, find a way to get back on the same page. And hopefully we can. But if you have that kind of relationship with somebody, that is a deeply sustaining relationship during that time. I'm not saying things don't change, but I guess I am saying that you can definitely see yourself and a future with somebody who you are having that kind of experience with in the moment. No question about it because you feel good. They feel good. It feels good. We love being with each other. We love being intimate. We enjoy each other. We love conversation. I care about that person. They care about me. I care about myself. I care about this relationship. So it just, everything feeds everything naturally. It's awesome. So that, that is it. This is a long one. I did not expect this to be so long. So, um, sorry about that, but I, I hope this was helpful. I hope that now you can see the differences between maybe an unconscious relationship, what I might call a codependent relationship compared to a conscious relationship which I would say is a, an empowering relationship is what I would like to call that. 
a place where we're both feeling honored, mostly because we honor ourselves. And that's the key in all of this. Because remember, you can't give to another that which you don't first give to yourself. So that's it. I want everyone to just have a wonderful day. Go out and make your relationship the best you can. And, uh, and I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much. Enjoy.